I love using Flask for building an API. For example, I can use Twitter's API to get information about their users, like their name. And this is critical when it comes to linking different applications. Like if I want a social login for my application, then I might have to use Twitter's API so that people can use Twitter to sign on to my application. Welcome to Building for the Next Billion, the podcast that discusses the most prominent trends in software development with leading technologists from around the globe. I'm your host, Justin Byrne. We're coming at you from our podcast studio here in Andela's New York City headquarters. If you're not familiar with Andela, we build high-performing engineering teams with the most talented developers from tech hubs across Africa. Now, let's get to today's show. In this episode, I'm joined by Mbithe Nzomo, a software developer at Andela based in Nairobi, Kenya. She's currently on her first trip to the United States to speak at a variety of tech conferences around the nation. She's also 410 and is pound for pound by far the best software developer that I know. She leads Nairobi's division of Django Girls, which is a global organization that helps aspiring female developers get into software engineering. Her biggest passion is being the female role model she never had in technology and works to inspire young girls every day. Her specialty is Python and is a huge proponent of the Flask micro framework and blogs frequently about it on scotch.io. But she'll get into the nitty gritty of that later in the episode. Hey, Mbithe, thanks so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. So you're visiting right now from Nairobi, Kenya. Can you tell us a little bit about the local tech scene out there and maybe how it compares to some of the tech scenes you've seen out in in the United States so far. So far you've been to what, Salt Lake City and now New York? Yeah, absolutely. So the tech scene in Nairobi is very vibrant. A lot of people don't know that, but we are actually calling it the Silicon Savannah because so much tech is coming out of there. The tech scene is very, for now, very new. So we have a lot of startups, quite a number of startups coming up and very mobile based. So in Kenya, we have a very high mobile use um, penetration rate. So most of our transactions are actually done on mobile thanks th- thanks to things like M-Pesa, which is mobile money. So a lot of our innovations revolve around mobile. And there's so many great, awesome, cool technologies that are coming out of Nairobi, which I would love to speak about. Mm-hmm. One of them that I really like is Brick. So Brick is, is a kind of like a portable router for Wi-Fi connectivity because as you leave the major towns and cities in Nairobi, you get less and less internet connection. So Brick came on board with this idea to have like a portable, rugged Wi-Fi connection that you can use pretty much everywhere and it is doing very well, especially in the education sector because it has a hard drive that can come preloaded with some educational content. So in rural areas where schools may not have an internet connection, it really comes in handy. So that's just one of the really cool things that is coming out of Nairobi. Oh, that's amazing. And, and Brick is a Nairobi-based tech startup? It is definitely a Nairobi-based tech startup. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it seems like a seems like an awesome place for, for the technology scene to be to be budding. So nice. So you've worked a lot with with, uh, with girls to encourage them to pursue careers in technology. I know yeah. that's a big passion point of yours. So was there any type of female mentor that you looked up to that initiated your excitement within technology? And, and I guess, do you aspire to be that figure for young girls like that are looking to get into software development? Well, my inspiration to get into technology was a lot of different factors, but one thing I remember clearly is when I was in my last year of high school, I got to attend a really awesome event that was organized by Microsoft in East Africa, 
and West Africa. And it was actually organized by the women of Microsoft in East and West Africa. And I remember attending that event and it was the first time that my mind opened to the possibility of tech as a viable career. Because growing up, you know, we, I always heard about being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an accountant, being an engineer, but never about like technology in particular. So these women were so amazing and inspirational. And I remember them speaking about, they had like a graph on the stage about like supply and demand with regards to tech. And they kept saying, look at where demand is, look at where supply is, see that gap, like you need to get in. And I was like, holy, wow, I should get in. So that was kind of one of the things that made me want to enter. And the fact that they were women inspired me even more. And I absolutely want to be that inspiration for other women. That's what keeps me going. That's why I do what I do. Just the thought that somewhere, somehow, some little girl in Africa, in Kenya is looking at me and thinking, wow, she could do it. I should be able to do it as well. That keeps me going. Nice. And what are some of the specific ways that you go about inspiring those girls? And, and what are some of the programs that you've been working on recently? Most recently, I've been involved with Django Girls. So Django Girls is this one-day workshop where girls and women who've never programmed before come for this one-day workshop, build their first website with Python and Django and HTML and CSS, and it's worldwide. It started in Poland in 2014, which is not too long ago, and since then it's been in like 166 different countries. So Django Girls in Kenya was a thing before me and another Andela developer, Joan, started it in Kenya, but it seemed to have died out. So we kind of revived it and we had our first conference last year and we were participating in another one in a different city this year as well. And the first conference last year, that was in Nairobi? It was in Nairobi, yes. And so you guys just kind of like revamped the entire operation? We did. We took control because the previous organizer had to leave the country. And so everything just died out. So we, it had to be restarted again. And we were so happy to do that. Nice. And it's just you two that are kind of just heading the operation It now? is just us two with a lot of support from Andela in particular. Andela provided the venue. Andela provided like lots of different connections. It was amazing. Yeah. Nice. And so these are these are young girls that have never had any experience with software development or computer science. Yeah. And so you guys teach it from the ground up, how they can build Basically their own Basically from the ground up. A lot of people were, I mean, we had different levels of, of um, understanding and picking up the concepts. Some people picked them up right away. Others needed a bit more time, which is perfectly normal. So yeah, we pretty much took them through the concepts of computing, of programming in Python, of the web, what the web is, how it works, how when you click on a link, it actually brings up a website for you and all that. Nice. And have you been in touch with some of the girls that have been working at those programs to kind of see how they've been progressing since Absolutely. that initial interaction? We actually set up a mentorship pipeline between those girls, the attendees, and Andela developers. And a few of them have actually joined Andela since, which is amazing. Yeah, I feel very proud of myself for that. Yeah. And a few others have gone to school for computer science, have decided to be web developers even if they're not coming to Andela. So I'm, I'm very happy with their progress. Very cool. And I, you know, why, why, I guess, do you think it's so important to get diversity in technology, specifically women in technology? It's such an underrepresented population right now, and everybody wants female developers and, and a diverse staff. I don't know. Why do you, why do you personally think that's so important? that data doesn't lie. Data shows us that teams that are more diverse do better, perform better. And that's, that's when you think about it, it's pretty logical because when you have different viewpoints, and it's not just women, it's racial diversity, economic diversity, geographical diversity. People are bringing so many different perspectives to, to a problem, and that helps you solve it that much faster. So, And 
I mean, Bill Nye, the science guy, says that half of our world population are women. It, it should make sense that half of the people in science and technology and engineering should be women. Why not? We can do just as well. Totally agree. And I think, I think Christina Sass said it best at Collision a couple weeks ago when she said, if you have a bunch of white guys building a product for you, they're only going to build products for a bunch of other white guys. So exactly, that's kind of as simple as you can go right there. I want to go back to a little bit more talking about the Nairobi tech scene and how it kind of compares. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of cool companies out there. There's a lot of cool problems being solved, but I guess what's the energy like? You know, everybody says from our perspective that people in Africa just, they, especially in Nairobi, they just hustle harder. They, they, they work harder. It's like a very hustling culture. Do you subscribe to that, I guess? And how does that compare to what you've experienced down in the United States so far? In the U.S., I think a lot of the companies, even if they are startups, seem to be so much more well, um, well organized and, and a bit bigger. And what am I looking for? The thing is, here, there's so much more access to venture capital and, and resources and all that. So even if it's a startup company, in the U.S., it seems a little more, less like a startup, you know, less like, you know, working out of a garage, less like two employees. I mean, it seems a lot more established. Whereas in Kenya, I would say the startup scene is a little different because there's not too much venture capital, definitely not as much as there is in New York. So a lot of people are hustling more that in those initial stages, still trying to look for, for capital for their businesses. So that's that's the primary difference, I would say. Interesting. Nice. You've been writing a lot about the functionality of Flask, and that's a micro web framework written in Python. So what do you use that primarily for, and why do you think that has such promise? I primarily use Flask for, of course, building web, web apps, um, APIs, and that kind of thing. So Flask is... It's a micro framework based on the Python programming languages language. And why it is a micro framework is because it's very minimalistic. It's very lightweight. It comes with just the bare minimum and then you can add your own functionality. So that's why it's a micro framework, right? And I primarily use it for APIs, for web apps, and that's what a lot of people use it for as well. And because of the simplicity of the design is what drew you to it initially, or what kind of benefit does that simplicity provide? Just the fact that it's so lightweight means that you can customize it the way you see fit, right? If you look at an framework like Django, Django makes a lot of decisions for you, right? It tells you this is where this is the file that should contain your views, this is a file that should contain your models, this is how we want everything arranged, whereas Flask leaves it all up to you. It's like, yeah, you do what you want. I'll just provide the bare minimum. And I love that about it. Like, it's so flexible. Interesting. So when did you start using Flask? I started using Flask as part of my application process to Andela. One of the parts of this application process is a two-week immersion process where you get to come to Andela and build a project. And that project, I had to build it in Flask. That was my first time ever working with Flask, and I have been hooked ever since. I've been using Flask for a for a little over a year now. Interesting. You've written a couple Scotch.io tutorials most recently. One of the ones you've written was about a CRUD web app that you built with Flask. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I feel like not many people know about Flask and know where to get started. You see, when you're just getting started out with a framework, it can be pretty overwhelming. So I was targeting like beginners to Flask, possibly beginners to Python, to help them understand how to build a basic create, read, update, and delete application. So that's a CRUD application is basically one where you can create something, um, read it or display it, update it or edit it, and then delete it. And that's that's really the building block of any web application, which is why I decided to write that, that tutorial. 
And what are some of the common applications that you've seen for Flask, or what do you like to use it most frequently for? I love using Flask for building an API. So that's an application programming interface. It's how different applications can interact with another application's data. For example, I can use Twitter's API to get information about their users, like their name. And this is critical when it comes to linking different applications. Like if I want a social login for my application, then I might have to use Twitter's API so that people can use Twitter to sign on to my application, right? So I love using Flask for, for APIs. It has this great extension called Flask RESTful, which I love to use. Interesting. And so what so what are some of the companies then that are using that are using Flask and that allow kind of a nice seamless API integration? Quite a number are. I know Pinterest is using Flask for its API. Twilio is using Flask as well. Netflix is interestingly using Flask for a particular project of theirs called Limar, which has a lot to do with cryptography certificates and, and stuff like that. Is this a recent adoption? Is it, have you seen an uptick in Flask most recently, or have they have these companies been using it for quite some time? Some have been using it for a while, but Flask in itself is not very new. I think it was um, built in two thousand and eight. But I know Pinterest used to use Django for a lot of its a lot of its applications, and then kind of recently switched over to Flask for its API. And why do you think they that Pinterest recently made that switch? Just because um, Flask is very lightweight, very easy to scale easy to use as well. So in terms of writing tests for the front end of your web application, so you recently wrote a tutorial on this process. Can you tell us why, first off, the front end testing of a web app is important and then also how Flask helps you accomplish that? Right, so when you're building an application or any kind of software, you absolutely want to test it just to make sure everything is working as expected. And it becomes a little tricky when you're thinking about the front end because how do you simulate a user to log in, to click a button, to click a link? It's it's kind of difficult. So for that, I didn't actually use Flask. I used a, a tool called Selenium, which is kind of like a browser automation tool. You can use it with any framework or language that you want to use. And Selenium, just like, you know, browser automation tool, simulates a browser experience. You can click on things without actually being a user clicking on them. It's very cool. Interesting. Okay. So then how, if people are not familiar with Flask, Mm -hmm. how do you recommend they, one, learn how to use, well, first, do you recommend that they start learning about Flask? And then two, how do they kind of get involved with Flask? I would absolutely recommend my tutorial. Not not to toot my own horn yeah. here, but I think it, it's very simple. You actually get to build something that is actually being used. So it's it's pretty cool, my tutorial. Um, Flask's documentation is really awesome, very extensive. It does have a quick start and also a more detailed explanation should you want to dive deeper. The Flask community is very active and, and awesome. You can find lots of people talking about Flask on Reddit, for example. There are lots of different ways to get started. And then, so you mentioned your tutorial. How would people actually go about finding that? So you can find it on scotch.io. Not sure the exact link, but I'm sure searching on scotch.io, like Flask tutorial, that should bring my tutorials up. Or I guess if they just went to scotch.io and searched for your name and your profile, you could, they could probably see the tutorials that you've written? I think probably. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you, so what do you think then the future of work entails in terms of technology? I think we're already seeing how tech pretty much permeates every single sector. 
what I think we may not anticipate is how advanced we already are with things like AI, um, with things like robotics. We are pretty advanced and I don't think people realize how, how advanced we are. That's interesting because I I would argue the opposite, actually. I feel like all of these things are in such an infant stage that it's really hard to determine what the future of it can be, especially with things like virtual reality. I mean, that's right. really, commercial virtual reality has only been around for two years. And if you look at older technologies, like even like televisions in the first couple of years of their inception, I mean, they're nothing compared to what they are now. So how come you think that we are farther along than we give ourselves credit for? I think people don't understand how hard it has been to even get to where we are now. Like just to get um, software that can recognize, for example, what if presented with an image of a flower to get software that can recognize, hey, that's a flower. That's really difficult. Like, sure. it's easy for us because we're human beings and we've evolved over millions of years to be able to recognize things and whatnot, but we don't get how difficult it is to get software to learn. I mean, we've certainly come a long way, no doubt about that. So you went to Tech On Me today, so what were some of the debates in terms of future of work and what were some, kind of some, some of the ideas that were thrown around? Oh, so Tech On Me was amazing. Some of the things that I, I loved the most about this particular conference is things that I hadn't really thought about, but are really important. We talked a lot about digital identity, for example, when an app needs your details, like your credit card details and your date of birth. Lots of us just like give those that information without thinking twice. But digital theft, digital identity theft is a really big deal. And this information is huge. I know I've taken your question and like totally. flipped no, it around, good. but that was one of the most amazing um, sessions that I attended. Or did they suggest any solutions to keeping your digital identity private? So a lot of what came up was this interesting company that deals with like a digital identity token where you, like it aims to eliminate things like passports and driver's license and you just have this, this one token that translates across different countries, different continents that has all your data I thought that was pretty revolutionary. Well, what if you lose that digital token then everybody has access to all of your information? Right, but I don't think the digital token was exactly physical. Okay, that makes sense. Well, hey, I'm Bithe. Thanks so much for joining the show. This was great getting to chat with you. And again, if, if people do want to keep up with all the work that you're doing and all your scotch.io tutorials, what are the best ways of doing that? Best ways of doing that would be first to follow me on Twitter, Bithenzomo. Um, my technology blog decodegirl.com is also another place where I constantly update with what I'm up to. Nice. And that the spelling is M-B-I-T-H-E-N-Z-O-M-O? -E exactly. On Twitter? Yeah. That's it? That's it. Great. Well, everybody's got to follow you. I know that I follow you, so I'll be ready to keep up with all the latest and greatest. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you.